الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومن يعمل من الصالحات من ذكر أو أنثى وهو مؤمن فلنحيينه حياة طيبة وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اتق المحارم تكن اعبد الناس او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected علماء الكرام brothers and elders Allah Taala has created this world as darul asbab a place of means and things happen generally in this dunya according to the type of means that Allah Ta'ala has created for that particular objective. Allah Ta'ala's qudrat is what controls everything and nothing happens without the will and the command of Allah Ta'ala and everything is only possible or anything is only possible if Allah Ta'ala makes it happen. But the general system that Allah Ta'ala has kept in this dunya is this dunya is a place of means. A person is hungry, he will have to eat some food and that will satisfy his hunger with the permission of Allah Ta'ala. Likewise, if somebody is thirsty, he will have to drink some water. This is the means and with this means, he will inshallah, his thirst will be quenched with the fuzzle of Allah Ta'ala. So this is the way that this dunya is fire will burn if a person puts his hand in the fire and he decides that I should not get burnt that will not generally be the case that would be the exception where Allah Ta'ala made it such for Ibrahim that he was thrown into the fire by Namrud but despite this huge fire being such that people couldn't even get close to it in the fire not even one hair on his body got burnt this was the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala that Allah Ta'ala made manifest but the general system, the general system is a person puts his hand in the fire and get burnt. So this is the system that we all understand. This is a system that we abide by. Nobody deliberately puts his hand in any fire because he knows this is what is going to be the outcome. Nobody has to be informed and told. Nobody has to be encouraged that if you are hungry you must eat something. He naturally goes towards that food. But just as this is the system of means that we can understand, we can see which we abide by, there is a system of means beyond this also. And these means are also subject to those means. The means that are above this is the means of Iman and Amal. To the extent of a person's righteous actions, Allah Ta'ala makes this life a place of peace for him, a place of contentment, of serenity, despite dunya being dunya, whatever challenges come in dunya. And a person who involves himself in the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala, this brings difficulties, it brings hardships, it brings calamities. And sometimes in the lap of every luxury also, the person is in a very, very restless condition. Not necessarily that is always one and the only reason, but very often this is due to our disobedience of Allah Ta'ala. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala makes this very, very clear to us 
that if we want a good life, now what is the definition of a good life? That is something which we need to understand because everybody's definition differs. So we have to understand what is the de- definition of a good life in the light of what Allah Ta'ala wants us to understand. In the light of what Rasulullah Sallallahu has explained to us. Otherwise, every person's definition will differ. Some person's definition of a good life is that he must be as free as anything. As free as anything, then that anything can only be an, like an animal. That he must eat what he wants to, he must go where he wants to, he must have any contact with whoever he wants, whether it is a halal relationship, whether it's an illicit and haram relationship. He must be able to talk to whoever he wishes. He must be able to put his hand wherever he wants. He must be able to put anything in his mouth, no matter what kind of intoxicant it might be. He must be able to go to any club and any, any disco and whatever it might be. He must be as free as whatever he can call it. But this is utmost slavery of nafs and shaitan, where this person thinks it's only just a figment of the imagination that I want to be free, so I must be allowed to do anything. But really such a person becomes the complete slave of shaitan and he is drawn by that reins that shaitan keeps pulling. And sometimes he wants to do something else. He doesn't want to do that which he did yesterday. But now he's been so deep into shaitan's clutches, shaitan just leads him by the nose. So that is total slavery. Slavery of the worst kind. So this is one person's definition of freedom. He thinks this is freedom. Somebody else's definition, or this is the person's definition of a good life, that he must have this, this total, so-called total freedom. Somebody else's definition of a good life, that he must have every material comfort of this world, and he must surpass everybody else in amassing this world. Nobody else must be ahead of him. He must be ahead of the pack. This is the terminology that is used, but how it fits in, we can imagine. So this is somebody else's imagination and understanding of what a good life is but in the terminology of the Quran Sharif where Allah Ta'ala describes a good life that good life has been suspended on a condition so first to understand that condition Allah Ta'ala says وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِنَ الصَّالِحَاتِ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٍ that any person with iman and a'mal salih one is iman mashallah all of us sitting here, Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with this greatest wealth of Iman. Allah Ta'ala keep us with this Iman. Allah Ta'ala take us with this Iman and raise us on the day of Qiyamah with this Iman. This is the greatest wealth that any person can ever possess. But together with that Iman, for that good life, there's a further condition. And throughout the Qur'an Sharif, you'll find these two things coupled together, time and again. Iman and Amal-e-Saliha. Iman and Amal-e-Saliha. And all the promises of Allah Ta'ala have been on Iman and Amal-e-Saliha. Iman alone, without Amal-e-Saliha, this is not sufficient to take a person directly to Jannat. Indeed, that Iman will certainly take him to Jannat someday. Unless Allah Ta'ala forgives him and cleanses him of all whatever the misdeeds are, otherwise Allah forbid, in order to cleanse himself, be cleansed of all the sins, he will have to go via the very, very difficult situation of the fire of Jahannam. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So we want that direct entry to Jannat, 
this direct entry to Jannat is dependent on Iman and Amal Salihah. And Allah Ta'ala promises, وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِنَ الصَّالِحَاتِ مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْسَى وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٍ فَلَنُحْيِيَنَّهُ حَيَاةً طَيِّبًا That we will bless him with a good life. Now what is that good life all about? The good life is obviously not the definitions that others have, as we have just understood some definitions. This good life, the reality of this life, can only be understood when a person puts his foot into that life, and submits himself to Allah Ta'ala entirely, that my life, my living, my dying, everything I do is solely for Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. قُلْ إِنَّ salati wa nusuki wa mahyaya wa mamati lillahi rabbil alameen Every action of mine, everything about me is solely for Allah Ta'ala. When he will take the step and he will enjoy that peace within his heart, this is where the good life resides. Somebody might have some material comforts, somebody might not have it. Somebody might someday have some food to eat. There might be that day when there will be no food to eat. And the most beloved of Allah, Rasulullah wasallam, he spent days on end sometimes where there was hardly anything to eat. On one occasion, Nabi Islam says that I spent a time when we saw three moons. One moon, the second moon, the third moon. In other words, two consecutive months. And there was nothing to be cooked in the houses of Rasulullah Does that mean, na'uzubillah, that this was an unsuccessful life? This was a bad life, na'uzubillah? Who could have had a better life than Rasulullah The best life that any human being ever lived on earth was the life of Rasulullah Yet in his life also, there were times where he tied two stones to his belly due to hunger. There were times when there was nothing to cook for two months on end. There were times when there were all kinds of other challenges around. But that was the best life. Why? Because this life is a very, very temporary abode. This world is a very temporary place. Every day we hear the news of some janaza. And we don't know when our name is going to be on that board. When that announcement is going to be made about we have gone. So this is a very temporary abode. In this abode we have to make the everlasting life of the hereafter. But the person who submits himself to Allah Ta'ala, the challenges will be outside. But within his heart Allah Ta'ala will grant him that peace, that serenity. That the whole universe cannot grant that. The whole universe cannot give a fraction of it. And cannot pay the price of it. So this is what's to be aspired for and that is only available in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. So this Iman and A'mal Salihah. When a person will adopt this, and this is the theme of this, this Mubarak month of Ramadan, we call it Taqwa. Taqwa is bringing this entire obedience of Allah Ta'ala in our lives. The disobedience is cut off. Many a times, mashallah, like in the month of Ramadan, we become very conscious of good amal, excellent, that is the most excellent thing to increase that as much as we can. We perhaps may not have recited Qur'an Sharif for the bulk of the year, which is a very, very serious situation that should never be the case. A mu'min and the recitation of the Qur'an Sharif and his day goes past without having recited Qur'an Sharif. This is a very serious situation. No day of his should go past without recitation of Qur'an Sharif. But in any case now, unfortunately, the bulk of the year passed, but come the month of Ramadan, mashallah, people will get into the enthusiasm of reciting Qur'an Sharif Somebody makes one khatam, somebody five khatam, somebody ten khatams. People make even more, mashallah. Excellent, the more the better. 
Maybe somebody was not very conscious about his salah. Now he started making salah with jama'ah also. Alhamdulillah, summa alhamdulillah. Somebody was not making any zikr, dua. Now the month of Ramadan, he's exerting himself in doing various other good amal as well. So all this is very good. But the essence of taqwa, the essence of taqwa is to give up sin. Hazrat Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas who was known as Imamul Mufassirin, Raisul Mufassirin. Nabi Sallallahu had given him dua once when he had provided some, some khidmat and Nabi Sallallahu on that occasion gave him dua. Allahumma allimuhu al-kitab wa faqihu fiddin. Allah give him the knowledge of the Quran Sharif. And this dua of Rasulullah Sallallahu took him to that peak and pedestal of tafsir of the Quran Sharif that he became known as the Imam of the Mufassirin. So can we imagine, among the Sahaba, he became the Imam of the Mufassirin. One person asked him, that what is your take on this? What do you have to say about this? That some person, he has a lot of good a'mal, meaning optional aspects, a lot of tilawat of the Quran Sharif, a lot of nawafil, rajulun kathirul amal, a lot of good actions. A lot of charity. MashaAllah, he's been reciting a lot of tasbihat. He's been, he's been doing a lot of other good things. But kathiru zunub. Side by side, he has got a lot of sin also. He does some good, and then he's sinning at the same time. He's in the masjid, MashaAllah, doing a lot. And then he goes outside and he's casting glances all over the place. In the masjid, he's making tilawat of the Quran Sharif. And then he's going home and he's sitting and watching some haram and filth on his phone. He is sometimes, mashallah, shedding tears in dua, and then after that he is even looking at the whatever other haram. He is sometimes in the house of Allah Ta'ala, and sometimes in the house of shaitan, in the gambling dens, and in all the other vice quarters. So this is a person, mashallah, is doing a lot of good on the one side, but side by side he is doing a lot of sin as well. This is one person. And on the other side is another person, qalilul amal, qalilul zunub. That another person, mashallah, he's doing all his basics, he's fulfilling all the obligations of deen, his five times salah is in order, he is not, commit, uh, not omitting any of the other obligations of deen, and he's staying away from sin. Who is the better of the two? This person, mashallah, has got a lot of good deeds. He's making tahajjud the whole night, he's making tilawat the whole day, but in between he's also committing a lot of sins. And this person has got some Nawafil as well, some tilawat, some zikr, some dua, but it's little. But he's staying away from sin. Has Abdullah ibn Abbas, who is this Raisul Mufassirin, his response is, La adilu bis salama. I don't equate anything with staying away from sin. Staying away from sin, this is the highest thing. This is the peak. And this is what Rasulullah himself expressed. Because Abu Huraira, radiallahu ta'ala, ittaqil maharim. Stay away from sin, stay away from all the things Allah Ta'ala has forbidden, you will become the greatest abid, the greatest worshipper. MashaAllah, in the month of Ramadan, we try to excel in ibadat, while we should do the best we can. But we should not forget that have we inculcated this ibadat, this iman and amal salihah, this is the peak of it. That a person now stays away from the disobedience of Allah Ta'ala. This is the lesson Ramadan came to teach us. That in the month of Ramadan we are fasting that halal food and drink which 
after the time of iftar or at the time of iftar, the person would eat that same food. It's halal, 100%. That water is 100% halal. Maybe he didn't even buy that water, he collected it as it rained, directly from Allah Ta'ala's sky. But he won't drink it while he's fasting. Why he won't drink it? Because Allah Ta'ala has forbidden it. That now you are fasting, don't touch it. Now this is the lesson. What Allah has forbidden, don't touch it. What Allah has forbidden, don't look at it. What Allah has forbidden, don't listen to it. What Allah has forbidden, don't speak it. So this is the lesson of Ramadan. Now if a person, mashallah, has excelled in ibadat, he has excelled in tilawat, he has excelled in tasbihat and zikr and dua, mashallah, excellent. But as soon as Eid comes, he feels now he is left loose again to do as he wishes. Now he is talking any vulgarity. He is using all kinds of flowery language again. His eyes are let loose like he was now deprived of something. Now he needs to make a qaza of it, na'uzubillah. He is now going to all the places that he didn't go in the month of Ramadan, the haram places. Then the person totally lost out in terms of the purpose of Ramadan, the object of Ramadan, the lesson of Ramadan. This is the greatest thing that Allah Ta'ala's command must not break. There was a great king, Mahmud Ghaznavi, and he had a slave, Ayaz. Now this was a slave. He, he was a slave. There were others who were in the court of Mahmud Ghaznavi, who were his advisors, his wazirs, etc. But he had a great attachment for the slave. And this slave also was somebody who understood this, so he used to take advantage of this situation as well. But this became a sore point with the rest of the people, the other courtiers and wazirs, they became jealous over this also. That we are the people who are advising the king all the time, we are the ones taking the burden of the kingdom on our shoulders, and he is more attached to the slave, he is after all a slave. So Mahmoud Ghaznavi also observed this and noticed how this is happening, he discerned what's going on, what is the kind of thoughts these people are probably entertaining. So one day he wanted to make this apparent that what is the speciality of this person. So one day he brought out of his treasury the most valuable jewel he had, which was priceless. It was a unique jewel. There wasn't any likeness to it in that time and age. So it was something that could not be replaced. So it was priceless. So now everybody was aware of this, that this is something Mahmoud Ghaznavi possesses in his treasury, this very, very priceless jewel. So he brought it out. And then now he called all the courtiers, called everybody there, and one at a time he gave each one the command and instruction that break this. Now each person that was told break it, he got a shock that this is priceless. And this is something that the king doesn't have anything to replace with. And I might break it. So now he was worried that now if I break it, maybe I might get broken. That how could you be so foolish? Okay, fine, I told you break it, but why did you break it? Now that's how he, each person is thinking. So each person declined. Now finally, when everybody declined, the king turned to Mahmoud, this slave of his Ayaz. And he said to him, Ayaz, break it. So without any hesitation, Ayaz picked that jewel. And he smashed it on the ground. And when he did this, everybody was... Now totally shocked that is this person gone mad? Is he insane? What has he done? So the king also initially just pretended to be upset and he said, what's, what's, wrong? what's wrong with you? What did you do? Why did you break it? So he said, look, I could break this, but I couldn't break your command. Your command was to break it. Now that was a choice. Either I break this priceless jewel 
I break your command. You are my master. Being my master to break your command is more serious. So I could break this, but I couldn't break your command. Whatever the consequences, but I won't break your command. Now this is that lesson of Ramadan. Allah Ta'ala's commands, there is no, the whole universe can't pay the price of one, can't equate the value of one command of Allah Ta'ala. Now how many commands of Allah Ta'ala we break for our base desires? If some desire came, and because of that base desire, the command of Allah Ta'ala is discarded. Now the month of Ramadan came to teach us this. The command of Allah Ta'ala is now it's the time of the fast, don't eat, don't drink. Now the person is abiding by that. It's a hot day sometimes. The person is very hungry maybe, he must say by chance. Whatever the case might be, some countries of the world, the fast at the moment is 18, 19 hours and it's summer. So now the person is thirsty, he's hungry, but the command of Allah Ta'ala, he's not prepared to break the command of Allah Ta'ala. And it is now one minute left for the fast to finish off. Somebody tells him, you've already fasted the, the whole day. So what difference it makes if you now just break your fast now, one minute left. You've already fasted the whole day. you fasted more than most people in most countries of the world. They've been fasting 13 hours, 14 hours, you fasted 18 hours already. One minute left, no problem. He'll say, no, Allah Ta'ala's command is still the sun hasn't said, don't touch that food and drink. So that Allah for whom we are fasting, we worship that same Allah after Ramadan also. There's only one Allah. The same Allah who gave us the command to fast, the same Allah gave us a command, Say to the believing men, they must lower their gazes, and they must protect their chastity. And the same command Allah gives to the females as well. Now for the same Allah who we fasted, for the same Allah we have to now keep our gaze low, keep our gaze clean, not commit all haram, and look at haram. For the same Allah who we are fasting, the same Allah said to us, that Say to my servants, they must speak that which is best. Don't speak any vulgarity. Don't speak obscenities. Don't use all kinds of flowery languages. Now for the Allah who we fasted, we worship the same Allah. All the time, in Ramadan and out of Ramadan. So we will now worship Allah Ta'ala in fulfilling this command of His as well. For the Allah who we fasted, the same Allah made Salah five times a day farz upon us. Fajr, Zuhar, Asar, Maghrib and Isha. So now for the Allah who we fasted in the month of Ramadan, we'll perform every Salah for Him as well. There won't be a case of now missing Salah and thinking nothing about in Billah. So this is the lesson that we have to inculcate, this lesson of Taqwa. And this is where the entire good life that we are aspiring for stays. This is where everything is. That good life we want, we want a solution to our problems. It is in this taqwa. This taqwa means obedience of Allah Ta'ala. Refraining from sin. Refraining from breaking the commands of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala has kept that solution to our problems in taqwa. The one who adopts taqwa, Allah Ta'ala will re- remove every difficulty from his way. And grant him risk from sources he cannot imagine. The person who adopts taqwa, this is the month of Ramadan, the month of adopting taqwa, to learn this taqwa. The whole purpose of this Ramadan and this fasting, Allah Ta'ala says, is to adopt and learn and acquire this taqwa. So now this taqwa, Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran Sharif, those who adopt this taqwa, يَجْعَلْ furqana. 
What is this Furqan? Simply understood in our context, in our understanding. Allah Ta'ala will enlighten his heart and mind. He'll be able to think straight. He'll be able to think correctly. Otherwise, a person's mind due to sin, it becomes blocked from thinking correctly. The effect of sin is that it affects the correct thinking of a person. He can't think correctly. As a result, something, the harms of it are glaring. The harms of it are completely evident. And he will acknowledge all the harms also. And maybe he will tell somebody the harms more than that person knows. But he says, no, this is what I want to do. Now his thinking is not, he's not thinking correctly. So why a person knows all the harms, he knows fire burns, but why he's putting his hand in the fire? Because the thinking is not functioning correctly. What is this? This is the result of sin. When a person will adopt taqwa, furqana. Allah Ta'ala will now grant him this furqan. He'll be able to distinguish between right and wrong. He'll be able to see something, he might not be able to even explain it. But his heart will tell him something is wrong here. He might not be able to explain why it's wrong. But his heart will testify that this is something I must stay far from. This is what the people, the pious people possessed and in previous times, generally a very simple elderly person also, he would very easily say, look, this is something, stay away from. Why? I don't know. Don't, don't ask me that. But I can tell you something is wrong here. Why? Because of their piety. Their piety, their taqwa, this noor in the heart made it possible for them to discern what is right and wrong. So all these things are in this taqwa. Allah Ta'ala has put everything for us in this taqwa, this lesson of taqwa which the month of Ramadan came from, came for. Now this is the aspect we have to now checking, start checking within ourselves. How much of this taqwa has come in my life? This month of Ramadan is already now on its tail end. It's fast ticking away. There's few days left. MashaAllah, we've kept so many fasts. We've performed so many taraweeh salah. We perhaps have made several khatams of the Quran Sharif, inshaAllah. We've made so much of zikr and dua, etc. How much of taqwa have we acquired? Is my eyes under control? If we, I haven't brought it under control in Ramadan, if it's going to be, is it going to be under control after Ramadan? Is my tongue under control? Is my ears under control? Am I keeping my heart clean? How much of my heart have I cleansed? Of all the evil qualities, how much of effort have I made to cleanse my heart out of, out of, of the pride, of the arrogance? How much of malice have I cleaned out of my heart? This clean heart, this is what Ramadan has come to adorn us. To adorn us to be presented in front of Allah Ta'ala with complete adornment and beautification. The real beautification is inside the heart. To clean the heart out of all this malice, all this jealousy, all the evil traits and qualities. This is what we have to reflect on. How much have I cleansed myself? So, whatever has passed of the time is already gone. We can't bring the time back. But whatever time is left, this too is Allah Ta'ala's great gift and bounty. Let us now try and make the maximum of this time. First is sincere Toba. Sincere Toba for all what has passed. Whether it passed before Ramadan, Allah forbid something happened in Ramadan, let us make sincere Toba. This is the first step to Taqwa. If a person hasn't even made Toba, then Taqwa hasn't started. So let us make sincere Toba. And sincere Toba requires feeling that remorse and regret in the heart. How could I have done this? How could I have broken Allah Ta'ala's command? Allah Ta'ala blessed me with everything, innumerable bounties, I am benefiting from every second, and I was still so shameless, so ungrateful, 
I broke Allah's command, that sense of regret and remorse. And together with that, to give up that sin obviously. And to resolve that I will not go back to this. What the future holds, we have no idea. But that resolve must be 100%. That resolve must be complete and firm. If a person has resolved to walk very carefully, it doesn't mean that it will never happen that he can't slip. But he won't intend to slip. He'll intend to not slip. But Allah forbid, he could slip. So our resolve must be 100%, regardless of whatever the possibilities might be for, for the future. That I am not going back to this. That is Tawbah then. And if it pertains to the rights of people, that has to be fulfilled. If the rights of Allah Ta'ala are unfulfilled, there is some salah that hasn't been discharged, that hasn't been performed, zakat hasn't been discharged, that has to be now made amends for. That has to be completed. So this is the first step of taqwa that we make sincere Tawbah. And then we start reflecting, checking within ourselves. What have I still to cleanse? How am I going to get this done? Take the advice from somebody. And in that light of that advice, we start now making efforts to cleanse ourselves. Making efforts to come onto the path of taqwa. We have to make our utmost effort. When we will make the utmost effort, Allah Ta'ala will open the doors. See, then Yusuf Ali Salatu Wasalam, he was trapped in that room. He was a slave in that house and he was lured into that room and trapped. And now he was being invited towards sin. And there were seven interleading doors. All those doors were locked. Now there's locked doors, seven locked doors. And he's trapped. And now he's being approached for the sin. So he turns around and flees towards those doors that he was aware now that are locked. Why? Because it was in his capacity to run until that door. So from the spot he was, to run until that door was in his capacity. What was in his capacity, he did. He didn't leave one bit of that undone. So he ran. He made amal on fafirru ilallah. Flee towards Allah Ta'ala. And when he did what was in his capacity, he did the utmost that was in his capacity and ran towards that door that was locked. Allah Ta'ala caused that door to miraculously open. And not one, seven doors miraculously opened, one after the other. And he got out of the situation. We have to do our utmost. What is in our capacity, we mustn't leave one thing undone. In our capacity is to make that sincere toba, to take the advice and guidance of somebody who would be able to advise us of how to go forward now. To take the advice and guidance of how to get the sins out of our life. To take that advice and guidance of how to now step ahead and move forward without falling again into these traps. And to make that effort that is required of us. Inshallah we will do this. Allah Ta'ala will open the doors for us as well. And that good life that we are aspiring for. That hayat tayyiba Allah Ta'ala will make that a reality for us. Allah Ta'ala give us this wealth of taqwa. Allah Ta'ala make us His true and obedient servants. And make this month of Ramadan such that our lives change for the better entirely. And after the month of Ramadan also we live better than the time we were in Ramadan. Before we start our sunnahs, let us fill in all the gaps. Come forward, inshallah, whatever gaps are there.